wrong, that I've been through the fire, I've been through the flood, I've been through the pain, I've been through rough times. And all I've got to hold on to right now is the fact that I still believe, but that's all you need right now. God's plan, God's purpose is going to be known in your life. Hallelujah. Come on, give Him a praise right now like you mean it. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah through the fire. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to join your voice and sing them now with this exalting part. In Jesus' name. your hands to the Lord one more time. Hallelujah. When we were singing this earlier, I just, I had a visual, not of anybody in particular. I know within my own self that when things seem to just mount up layer upon layer and overwhelm feeling sets in that I can build a wall just to try to hide away. And so as we were singing this, I could just feel the Lord prompting me that we've got to let those walls down. We put those walls up because we thought we're protecting ourselves, we're guarding ourselves, but He is the keeper of our hearts and our minds, and that He's not going to tear those walls down because He isn't the one that built them. So let, get your little, what's those things called? chisel thank you I should have looked to you in the first place get your chisel out and go ahead and just start chipping away because all of that stuff is not going to do us any good we've got to let it go you know and sometimes once we build something even though we might have built it for the wrong reasons we kind of get to admiring our work and feel like that it's working and we just want to hold on to it but God's saying let it go let it go some of these things we're carrying is just because we have been holding on to them. Let them go. Open your hand. Let it go and lift it up to the Lord and let him just set you completely free. Completely free. And last Sunday night, that's what happened for me. I had totally... I had totally just succumbed to things in life, just life, nothing to really be down about, but just overwhelmed. And when Brother Benji got up here and talked about when I went to Haiti, and some of, a lot of you know my story, but just a quick 
quick recap is that I let fear control me for many years. And one of the things, my mother-in-law knows this, that I said I would never go to a foreign mission field. And that day when I told her, she gasped. I think she thought I was going to go to hell. Because she goes, what if God calls you? And I said, he would never call me there because he knows there's nothing I'd eat. So, but seriously, I wasn't ever going to, I had no desire. And so he got my attention because I wouldn't let go of things. He got my attention. And so I said, okay, God, if you let me live, I'll do this. And I was scared to death as soon as I promised him, but I knew I had to do it. And, and, I, and I experienced a freedom and things that I would have never known, joys that I would have never known if I hadn't have let that wall crumble. And I didn't realize it, but I had turned around and built that wall right back up. And I'd forgotten about what he had done for me. He had already set me free, but I took my eyes off of him for just a second. And I started trying to protect myself. And I didn't realize it till Brother Benji preached last Sunday night. And I'm like, God, forgive me. I just, I forgot where you brought me from. I forgot what you did for me, how you delivered me, and how you set me free. And I don't ever want to forget again. So I know if it can happen to me, it can happen to any one of us. And I'm telling you in the name of Jesus to let those walls down tonight. It's not going to hurt. It's, it may hurt for a minute, but I'm telling you, he's going to make it well worth it. Let's lift our hands to the Lord. Come on, let's lift our hands. Bless the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Sister B. Thank you, praise team. While you're standing, let's get ready to go to the word of the Lord. I give honor to all of you tonight. We slipped out this morning, Brandon and I did. I've got a... Uh, I'll be honest with y'all, I've got an old man goal. Um, sounds weird, but this old man goal that I have is that any time that I'm asked to preach somewhere, I want a driver. Just I used to see the bishops when they'd come preach in Indiana. You know, there's a bunch of bishops around Indianapolis with the PAW, and they would come preach, and they would always have somebody to drive. They have a Bible as big as a family Bible and a towel generally. And uh, the, the driver would be the Bible carrier and the towel person, you know. And I thought, man, that's pretty cool, pretty cool. So Brandon was my driver to go to Beauty Hill. We were there this afternoon, had a powerful uh, time. It was wonderful as we celebrated the 10th anniversary of uh, Brother and Sister Tubbs there at Beauty Hill outside of Selmer. I feel a word in my heart tonight, and I've gone back and, and touched in on some of the things that Pastor Nick had preached this morning. I appreciate him. I appreciate the ministry and the message that was brought in the move of the Holy Ghost. And I want to bring to you what God's put in my heart for this month of February. God has laid this on my heart, and I'm delivering tonight the last part of what He's put within me. And there's going to be a time... Here in just a few minutes, there's going to be a time that the Word of God is just going to look a little rough, but God's got a purpose for that. How many of you know that we can't, and I appreciate what my wife just said, but we know 
that until we are honest with ourselves, we're not going to move further. And God wants to deal with us on those things. In the, se- in the second book of Peter, 2 Peter chapter 3, and verse 11, 12, and 13. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 11. I've been focusing on this passage all month and will continue to do so. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. I want you to focus again with me on that 11th verse. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness. I'm going to preach for the next little while from the thought, I am. I am. While you're standing, let's pray together. And I want to tell you that we got the information about Pastor Joe McKnight. The celebration of life is going to be Tuesday, 7 o'clock at the Pentecostal Church of Blue Mountain. The memorial service Wednesday at 11 at the Pentecostal Church of Blue Mountain. This is a precious man of God, a mentor to Brother Jared, and I want to pass that on to you. And when we pray, I want us to pray for Eddie and Nona and for Tony Thompson. The request had been turned in before we started our or right after, about the time we started our prayer time. And I want us to pray. And I want us to pray that God would give us an ear to hear what he wants to say to the church right now. Lift your voice and let's pray. Lord, we come to you tonight. We're just thankful for the opportunity to gather in this place, to gather in your name, gather with your people, gather in the authority that you've given us, O oh God. And tonight we trust you, believe, give us an ear to hear what your spirit would say to the church. I pray tonight, Lord, that you would help me to be that instrument to bring this word that you've put in my heart. We pray tonight, Lord, for Tony, and we pray for Eddie and Nona tonight, and we pray for the McKnights. Bless, we pray, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. How many of you know tonight that the work of God is balanced? God is not out of balance. He's not out of whack. He doesn't lean one way or the other to the extreme. The work of God is balanced. God is a God of grace and truth. Grace and truth. Because of the grace of God, we've had the truth of God given to us. And grace then brings truth into our life and works in tandem with this truth to bring about the purpose of God. Grace and truth. There is a balance I want to tell you this tonight, If you, unless y'all zone out. I'm not going to preach if y'all going to be sitting here thinking about the storm. If y'all want me to dismiss, I'll dismiss and we'll go home. You can go home in the rain. But if you want to just shut out the storm, now I'm going to bring you what God's given to me. All right? Y'all good with that? So grace brings truth. And truth works in tandem with what's been brought into our life to bring about the purpose of God. 
I mentioned this last week, and I want to say, I want to say it again. I reject, I fully reject the Pharisaical mindset, that Pharisee policy of judgment and condemnation based purely on adherence to the law of God. I also reject, fully reject, the notion and belief system of a world that doesn't know God, but yet this godless world wants to attempt to guide the godly. This age that we're living in, this age that we're part of right now is an age that likes to hide in the shadows. This age has advanced degrees in cover-ups. This age has a sewer mindset but calls it the high road. This age rejects truth as being judgmental. Are y'all with me? This age delights in darkness and ridicules light. And Peter, the Word of God, warns us about things like this in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 1. He says, For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that hath suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. Peter is telling us that we don't live to please others and we don't live just for ourselves. We live for God. Then he goes on to say, For the time past of our life may suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lasciviousness, lust, excessive wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. Wherein they think it strange that ye run not with them in the same excess of riots, speaking evil of you, who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead. For for this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. Now notice this, but the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things have fervent charity among yourselves. For charity covers the multitude or shall cover the multitude of sins. Use hospitality one to another without grudging. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as the ability, as of the ability which God giveth, that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praise and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice. Inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief or as an adulterer or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. And then notice this closely. 
For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit Commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. The time has come. Say that with me. The time has come. The time has come that judgment begin in the house of God. Now here is where truth and grace connect. You see, his grace brought us in. We know that we used to be a certain way, but the grace of God has brought us from that old life. The grace of God brought us in. And then because God is so graceful and God is so gracious, the truth of God has showed light now upon our life. Truth exposed our sin. How many of you remember how it was when truth exposed you to yourself? Come on, are you with me right now? You remember when truth exposed you to yourself. Some of us got embarrassed when truth exposed our own life. And his truth showed us life. Truth exposed sin. Truth made us realize that we were sinners. But then grace stepped in and said, I can take care of that. Truth showed us who we were. And grace showed us who we could be. I'm going to say it again because y'all ain't paying attention. Truth showed us who we were and grace showed us who we could be. Truth exposed sin and made us realize we were sinners and grace said, I can change that. I'll take care of that. I'll give you a new start. I'll give you an eternal purpose. God has recently put it in my heart that the distinction between the people of God and those who are not will become more and more contrasted. Light will become more and more distinct from darkness. The day is coming when the difference between the people of God and those who are not will become very obvious, very distinct. Malachi 3.17, this last prophet of the Old Testament said, And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts. In that day when I make up my jewels, I will spare them, As a man spareth his own son that serveth him. Then shall ye return and discern between the righteous and the wicked. Between him that serveth God and him that serveth him not. Today is preparation time for you and me. In 2 Peter 3.11 our text scripture all month has been. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought ye to be? In all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. I give to you the thought of I am. I am just simply means am or at this moment. I'm currently occupied, I'm currently being. Am in its most simple definition is the word be. And so when Peter said what manner of persons ought ye to be. 
He's telling us, this is what you should be able to say that I am. In light of the times, in light of the coming of the Lord, in light of what is going on in the world today, this is what we as believers should focus on. And Peter gave it to us. Is my conduct holy and godly? Am I looking and longing for his coming? Am I diligent in my life in him? Am I at peace with God? Am I without spot? Am I blameless before the Lord? And then Peter goes on to say in that 17th and 18th verse, Wherefore, or therefore, beloved, seeing that you know these things, beware lest you also being led away with the error of the wicked fall from your own steadfastness, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Peter gives us the thought that in this day that we're living in, that we're going to grow in our grace, grow in grace and in our knowledge of the Lord. He gives to us the thought that we're not just here to survive. We're not just here to get through this. We're not just surviving. We can be thriving. And we're not here to be acquiescing in light of anything. We're here to be advancing. And we need to say that I am not failing. I am flourishing. I am flourishing. God gave me these things to bring to you as we started in this month of February. And these first three were these. I am. I am a worshiper. I will protect my worship. I will promote worship. I am a warrior. I will stand and I will contend for the faith. I am a wayfarer. I am a pilgrim, not a vagabond. And this world is not my home. I am saved by grace. I am sanctified by His Spirit. I am settled in my faith. I know that God started working in my life a long time before I began cooperating with Him. I know that I'm not here accidentally, that the power of God began doing a work in me before I even acknowledged His existence. Do you know what I'm talking about tonight? I am, and as a result of what He started, I am knowing, I am growing, and I am showing. And tonight, I want to just close it out with... This I am thought by preaching to you for the next few minutes that I am redeemed. Say it with me. I am redeemed. I am redeemed by his sacrifice and I will be thankful for it. I am righteous. Say it with me. I am righteous by his work and I will live up to it. And I am royal. Say it with me. I am royal. I am royal by his bloodline and I will Embrace it. The Spirit of the Lord has been moving on me. And the Lord has led me to that passage of Scripture in 1 Peter chapter 4 that I read to you a moment ago. Go back with me for a few moments and look close at this one phrase in 1 Peter 4.17. Peter made the statement, For the time is come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if it first begin in us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And as I began to study that and began to pray over this passage of Scripture, upon studying this, I was led to Ezekiel's visions in Ezekiel chapter 8, 9, and 10. 
Ezekiel had a vision of abominations that God led him into. God said, come here, Ezekiel, I want to show you something. And I don't know if God's ever done this to you, but Ezekiel said, by the Spirit, he grabbed me by the hair of my head and he took me and said, I want to show you something. It wasn't literal, it was a vision. But he said, in my vision, he grabbed me by my hair and he said, come here. And he showed him as he led him to the house of God. God began to show him some things. And Ezekiel saw the glory of the Lord. And then he saw as this vision began to unfold that the glory began to leave and pull away from the house of God. And the reason was this. Ezekiel said, God led me. And he showed me his glory. And then he led me to the door that was leading to the sanctuary. And he calls me to look toward the altar. And Ezekiel 8, 5, Ezekiel said, I saw the image of jealousy in the entry of the house of God. And God said, I want to show you something, Ezekiel. That's just the start point. And God began to take him further into the house. Are you all with me? God began to take him further into the house. And he brought him to the door of the court. And he said, Ezekiel, look. And Ezekiel said, I looked and I saw, as it were, a hole in the wall. And God said, dig into that just a little bit. And Ezekiel said, I dug into that a little bit further and I uncovered a door. And God said, I want you to see something. And God said, I want you to notice what's going on now that you've gotten an inside scoop into things and and he said this is what the abomination of my people is going on here and Ezekiel said I looked and I saw all manner of animals and they were being worshipped the first abomination that God led Ezekiel to was animal worship this connected them to Egypt this connected them to the origin of animal worship which was there in Egypt. Y'all hang in here with me. And God said, I want to show you something else. And God led him a little bit further. And God showed him the elders of Israel with censers in their hand, incense, censers in their hand. And they were worshiping these idols. And then he said, come on, I want to show you something else, Ezekiel. And he led him a little bit further. And he said, I saw the women And they were weeping to Tammuz. Tammuz is the Assyrian fertility god. And then he said, I want to show you one more thing. And he led him to where a group of men were sitting with their backs to God. And they were worshiping the sun. And as we look at this, you know what it does? It indicates that in the center of of worship because God showed this to Ezekiel in the house of God and this indicates that in the center of worship in God's house the people that were supposed to be sanctified to God were instead engaged in syncretism which is just simply blending cultures thoughts and practices. It's okay. I'm in the house of God. So I'm going to blend a little bit of this 
this animal worship or I'm going to blend a little bit of the fertility God worship or I'm going to do this or I'm going to do that because after all, it's revolving around the house of God. And God raised a question in Ezekiel 8, 17. God said, Ezekiel, have you seen this? Is it a light thing to the house of Judah that they commit the abominations which they commit here? The light thing. Is it a light thing? You know what that means? That means they had a mindset that it doesn't really matter. It means they had a mindset that it's a trivial thing. It means that motivating them was the thought of what's the big But God said, judgment is going to begin at my house. God said, Ezekiel, this is what I want you to do. I want you to get me six men. Pastor Todd, get me five more besides you. I want you to get six men, Ezekiel. Pastor Anthony, you come up here and you're going to be my seventh man. He said, I want you to get six men. This is what I want you to do. I want you to, y'all stay right here in the front. He said, I want you to get six men, and I want you to give each one of these six men, make sure they have a slaughter weapon in their hand. And then I want you to get this seventh man and dress him in pure linen garments, and I want you to put a writer's inkwell in his hand with a pen. And here's what I want you to do. These six men with slaughter weapons in their hand, and this one man with this writer's inkhorn in his hand, this is what God said in Ezekiel 9, 4. And the Lord said unto him, Go through the midst of the city, through the midst of Jerusalem, and set a mark upon the foreheads of the men that sigh and that cry for all the abominations that be done in the midst thereof. And he said, This is what you do. You take your inkhorn and you go among those and you begin right here. And those that are weeping because of the abominations that are going on among my people. Those that are all tore up about about wrong being done and trying to be covered up. Those that are all worked up and praying and agonizing and seeking God. I want you to go and I want you to put a mark on every one of them. And after he was done... Ezekiel's vision continued to unfold. And after the one that went through and began to mark those that were weeping over the wrongdoing, then God said, you take those men with the slaughter weapons and you go among my people and those that do not have the mark. Don't spare them, but slay them. And this is where you start. You start with the elders in the sanctuary. You start judgment in my house. You see, we serve a holy God that has dictated his holy word and we don't walk into the temple of the living God and say it doesn't matter. It does matter. We don't blend the world with godliness. We don't blend holiness with unrighteousness. It does matter. You see, we want to we wanna kind of dust it over. We want to treat it lightly. I know it was a vision. But man, it sends a powerful message. When God says, I want you to send this man among my people. And everyone that is crying and weeping 
and seeking God and travailing over what's going on that is unholy, ungodly, and blending the world and idolatry with me. I want you to put a mark on them. And I wonder tonight if the vision was a reality, would the Holy Ghost find a mark on our life? It's because of the grace of God that we think we can get away with a whole lot of things. It's because God's such a God of grace. But God is telling us these last days are upon you and it's time that judgment begin in the house of God. Don't say it doesn't matter. Don't say it's trivial. If it's anti-word, if it's anti-God, it needs to be eliminated from our life. If you're living a duplicitous lifestyle, don't pretend that you're not. If you're one thing in the building and another thing in front of your family, quit pretending and allow the Spirit of God to purge you and save you before it's too late. I know it's a hard thing. And I just got to bring to you what God put in my heart. Because when you see 1 Peter 4, 17, and the Word of God said it's time that judgment begin in the house of God. This is the Old Testament connect point. Ezekiel's vision in Ezekiel chapter 8, chapter 9, chapter 10 is the Old Testament connecting point. God doesn't make random statements. And when Peter's, Peter made that statement, it's time, the time has come that judgment begin in the house of God. It wasn't some random made up statement. I believe Peter knew with clarity that God was directing him to Ezekiel's vision. And God's judgment was upon the people. And it started in the building with the elders. See, here's what we like to do. The Bible says judgment begins at the house. And he said in Ezekiel 9, 6, it begins at my sanctuary. We choose to focus on the wrongdoings of the world. Come on now, help me. We continue to focus on the wrongdoings of the world. We continue to zero in on the speck that's in our neighbor's eye while ignoring the beam that is in our own eye. And we want to continue carrying on justifying our actions, defending our attitudes while calling others out over theirs. And all the time that we're doing this, we're doing Satan's work for him. You see, saints of God confess, they repent, and they get back into it. But Satan's justify, deflect, and continue in their sin. God doesn't want you to feel good about living in sin. He wants you to be convicted of it. And there's only two ways of looking at it. Saints confess, repent, and get back in there. Satan's justify, deflect, and continue in their sin. Somebody in this room tonight, and I, I, I know when God started putting this in me the first part of this week, I didn't look forward to tonight. I'll be honest with you. The Bible tells us in Micah 7 and 8, Rejoice not against me, O mine enemy. Some of you guys have been letting the enemy laugh too long at you and where you are. 
It's time that you say, I'm going to humble myself under the mighty hand of God. I'm not going to be hiding and putting up with this laughter of the enemy. Rejoice not against me, O my enemy. When I fall, I shall arise. When I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. I will arise. John tells us in 1 John 1, 5, then This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another. And the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But if we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his truth is not in us. 1 John 2, 4 He that saith, I know him, and keepeth not his commandments, is a liar, and the truth is not in him. But whoso keepeth his word in him, verily is the love of God perfected. Hereby know we that we are in him. He that saith, he abideth in him, ought himself also to walk, even as he walked. Would you just lift your hands to the Lord right now? Lift your hands with your heart. To the Lord. Oh, hallelujah. Second Peter, the day of the Lord will come. Second Peter 3.10, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. In the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. And the elements shall melt with fervent heat. And the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hasting to the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Three things stand out. It's our holy conduct, our godly living, our anticipation. The time has come that judgment must begin at the house of God. And if if the guy dressed in the white linen robe with the ink horn in his hand were to go through zone one, looking for those that are tore up over ungodliness and are crying over what is not pleasing to God, how many marks? Would there be over here? Pastor Todd, how many marks would there be in your zone? If he were to come to zone two and put a mark on those that he's found tore up over ungodliness. Or zone three or zone four. The time has come that judgment begins at the house of God. Oh, Brother David, what about Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer? And what about Cuomo and and de Blasio? Or what about Donald Trump? Or what about, why don't we just shut up all that nonsense? 
Why don't we just quit worrying about who's posting what? You know, it's just kind of like this modern day country. Uh, if it was a country song, <clears throat> be like, who's cheating who? Everybody's focused on everybody else's business. Facebook has made all of that just that much more prevalent. All this stuff has made it that much more prevalent. Why don't we just shut it up for a little while, shut it off for a little while, and quit worrying about it and allow the Spirit and the truth of God to begin searching our heart and say, God, I want to be right before you. I want my mind to be pure. I want my heart to be right. I want my life to be godly. I don't want to cover up before you, God. I mean, my goodness, if you can post it on social media, what kind of latte you had, as if anybody cares about that, then why can't we come before God that already knows everything and say, God, I'm tired of covering up. I'm tired of having a public lie. I want to be right before you. Time has come to judgment begin at the house of God. Would you just bow your heads right now? You guys can be seated. Come on. Hallelujah. Let's pray for a moment. Let's just pray. Hallelujah. God, we need you. God, we need you. We need you right now. Seeing then that all these things, Brianna, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of persons ought ye to be? That I be able to say this is who and what I am. And tying this up with this, I am redeemed. You're too valuable in the eyes of God to waste one moment of your life. He's purchased us. That's what redeemed means. I'm redeemed. I'm redeemed by his sacrifice. I'll be thankful for it. I wasn't redeemed with silver and gold or corruptible things. I was redeemed with the precious blood of Christ, that lamb without blemish and without spot. In Revelation 5, 9, they sung a new song. The Bible says, and they sung this song to the Lord that you were slain and you've redeemed us to God by your blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. Psalm 107, we're going to give thanks to the Lord. His mercy endures forever. And the redeemed of the Lord will say so. The word redeemed just simply made, means that he paid the price for our freedom. I'm redeemed. Child of God, you're redeemed. You're redeemed by the blood of the Lord. The price for your salvation and your freedom has already been paid for. You're redeemed. I am righteous. I am righteous by His work. 
And I want to live up to what he's done in my life. Paul says he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Righteous just simply means made right, made holy. It's one whose conduct reflects what God has done. I am royal. I'm royal by his bloodline. For Peter tells us you're a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people. You should shoot forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I am royal. I will embrace it. This is a completion of what God told Moses there in Exodus that I'm going to establish for myself a people that will be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. Stand with me. In Revelation chapter 5 and verse 9, John said, I saw that mighty host and they sung a new song and they were saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and to open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain, and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation, and has made us unto our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on earth. You see, I am royal. That's kingly. Somebody in this room tonight needs to remember who he's made you. You're royal. I'm redeemed. I'm righteous. I'm royal. I'm a child of God. God wants me to know who I am. Because if I know who I am, I'm going to be what I'm supposed to be. I know who I am. Bow your heads one more time. I know that my body is a temple of the Holy Ghost. God paid for me. And God lives in me. I know that my heart belongs to Him. And I know that my mind is stayed on Him. God, if judgment begins in the house, I want you to be able to mark me as one that is fervent. For what is righteous, for what is godly, for what is pure. Y'all, I didn't want to preach this tonight. I'd rather just pumped you up. I'd rather just patted you on the back. But I'm incumbent, it's incumbent upon me as pastor to bring to you exactly what God put in my heart. And I have to ask you the question if the Holy Ghost walked through here and put a mark. On those that are fervent for the things of God, would you receive a mark on your life? The time has come. The judgment begins at the house of God. Oh, I, I just feel the awesome presence of God. I'm asking that you just come around this altar. Those of you feel what I feel, I want you to just come and find yourself a place to stand or kneel or whatever you'd want to do. But let's pray, and let's ask God to search us, and let's ask God to give us a pure heart, 
And let's ask God to give us a clean heart and a right mind before Him. And let's ask Him to fill us with His Spirit. Come on, create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Renew within me a right spirit. Let my heart be right with you. Let my life be one with yours. Help me, O oh God, I pray. God, tonight as your spirit shines your truth into my life, I pray that you would help me. Help me to confess and help me to yield and help me to turn. and Help me, O oh God, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Purge my heart, O oh God. Purge my mind, O oh God. Purge my life, O oh God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why don't you just shut everything out right now? This is between you and God. This is just between you and Him. And let's, let's go. Let's pray.